seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 85 of Color of Magic, your magic and gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of things around gaming, not just at our tables and in front of our screens. I am your host, Daquan Watson, as always, and for 85 episodes, I have my same dude right here in tow, Brian Allen. How's it going, dude? 85, the uh, Antonio Gates. There you go, I got 85. Antonio 85 Gates. is Antonio Gates. I was trying to think of a good one older that it could have been. I Like Art Monk might have been 85, I think. I, I don't remember. That sounds right. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 about the best I have. I'm sure there's a better one. Somebody's going to go like, obviously you missed like this Hall of Famer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's always yeah. somebody, but I'm yeah. bad about the numbers anyway. Let's just have <laughs> to be one of my favorite players. <laughs> hey, that's a good one, though. That's a good one. So yeah, man, like this, this last week's been pretty good. I, I got my vaccine like we talked about last week. I'm, I'm good to go. I had like, I had one down day and it wasn't even a down day. It was like one slightly down evening, I think. And I was pretty good to go after that. So things, things are looking up. Man, is, think, is there one you can get for like, you know, just pollen and allergies? I want that one. Dude, let me tell you. Okay, I was showing somebody because you know people up here talk about allergies. So I joke around and showed them a picture from Texas, a little video where a truck like bumps a cedar tree, and you literally just see like a giant dust cloud of pollen just go floating yeah. away. And they were like, "Is that real?" Like, yeah, it's totally real. Like, people yes. understand how bad it is down there. Up here, though, what we're dealing with right now is there's these. Uh, I guess they're like cottonwood trees. So the only way to describe it is like the material is is that comes off of them is cotton like, but it's not actually cotton. But it, it just drifts off and floats in the air and it's super annoying. And when you're driving, it kind of looks like you're snowing, like just stuff coming up to it. It's literally everywhere. It's it's pretty bananas. So I feel you. I'm glad I don't have allergies, but I see a lot of people dealing with it, man. So, yeah, if I could get a shot to you to just help you with that, I totally would. Since you brought it, since, since you said, you know, cotton exists, do, do people up north use terminology? Like, you know, like, well, I used to have a boss that would say we're in high cotton now. Is, is that a no. thing up north? I haven't heard of anybody say that up here. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. I, I, once our boss I, realized they had a whole different connotation, he's like, oh, yeah, I see your point. Okay. Well, see, when I first moved here, I still had issues using ma'am and sir all the time because that's super Southern, right? You're taught when you grow up, you, yeah. you dress everybody, right? So I would go places and, you know, somebody would tell me, you know, this much money, blah, blah, do you need anything else? I'm like, no, ma'am, I'm good. And like, you don't, you don't have to call me ma'am. And like, oh, mad. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand what I do. You know, I, and I'm thinking, yeah. and didn't even process, but I thought I said, something that just made it sound like okay well maybe i said it in a way that it sounded like i was being derogatory or something right and i made the lady feel older than she intended to be or something right i think just once you get to a certain distance above the base of dixon lodge nobody says it yeah and that was exactly it. after like the fourth time it was probably the fourth or fifth time i i'm at the i'm actually getting i think it was getting like it's like a, it was a little breakfast stands we went like bagels and a and a hot chocolate or something and I say ma'am or sir or whatever. And the lady behind the counter looks at me and she goes, where are you from? And I was like, oh, I just moved here from Texas or where she says, oh, 
well, I get it. I'm I'm from Arkansas. Like that's not a thing up here. Like people aren't going to respond well to that. And I was like, whoa, really? So that's all it is. And she was like, yeah. This is the, so I'm thinking it was just the way I was saying something. It's like, oh no, people just like here. If people say, ma'am or sir or whatever, a lot of times they're meaning it in a like, what's the best word for it? Like. They're, they're basically doing it to like take a jab at you or they're being a yeah. smart ass or something, right? If they say it, it's not just like a courtesy thing. So just like culturally, it's different. Now, I think when you're in an actual office setting or something and you say a ma'am or sir, whatever, like people get that it's just being respectful, but just kind of out and about, a lot of people don't say it up here. Not saying nobody does, but there's quite a few people that don't. Unless somebody is obviously older than you and they're like an elder and then it's obvious it's respect. Yeah. So it's it's a very weird thing, verbal thing. It's one of those things where I tell people like, the U.S. is just too big, right? We're a bunch of different sub countries and subcultures, and things just don't function the same everywhere. And it's hard to so know. So true. Anymore. Yeah. Until you travel, it's hard to see that. Uh, but yeah, if you want to support the show, head over to Patreon.com. I don't know why I almost had trouble saying that. Patreon.com/slash Color of Magic, and that'll help us keep this thing going. And we're super appreciative of everybody who comes and supports the show. Uh, we're still, to this day, really surprised like how many people are interested in watch our show or lo- listen to our show, not watch it. Watch us on other things and listen to our show. Um, and I want to give credit to Cardsphere.com, which, man, the other, I'll tell you one thing I do like about Cardsphere also, that I'm in the middle of processing my cards right now. I say processing because it's a real process to go through all of them and get them listed, but what I'm noticing is going to be really convenient is as we get back to going to events and cause you know, I'm going to be doing the Hunter Burt Memorial open and there's going to be some vendors there. Once I have all my stuff in there, it's really convenient to just go in and add stuff and remove stuff. So if I'm deck building or I just want to take some stuff out and just sell it in person, it's easy to just scroll down, click a button, take them off the list and then just pack them up with me. It's like, it's super awesome. So it's another benefit of having stuff in there ready to sell. So if you haven't checked them out, go by, they are cardsphere.com. And then finally, if you want to support the show directly and get something really cool for yourself, we do have some playmats and tokens available. Uh, We may be looking at doing some other tokens for the D&D sets. I'm going to talk to Galen here soon and see what we can do about that. Get a second round of tokens for people that want them. But you can go to colorofmtg.com slash shop. You can pick them up there. We do ship all around the world. We do have discounts. Uh, for larger quantities, and we do have some free shipping options as well. So check that out if you want to support the show. We appreciate it, and I try to get stuff out usually within about 24 to 48 hours so people don't have to wait for a lot of things. Now, today, I'm gonna, we're going to have like a quiet crowd. This isn't, this isn't a loud crowd <laughs> today. They're, they're, they're kind of subtle because... This one's actually kind of funny. This isn't even an angry soapbox. This, this one amuses me quite a bit. So for those who don't know, there is a comedian that goes by Burt Kreischer. And for those who don't know who he is, you may have seen him but don't know his name. Uh, you probably saw a video of his floating around, I guess it would be about five or six years ago. Maybe a little bit more of him telling a story about him being on a field trip and running into the Russian like mob or whatever. And it's a little funny shtick that he had. It's a bit in one of his like comedy sets. Super funny stuff. And he's a big dude. Uh, I, I think it's called The Machine. And if you've seen it, you you know what it is. It's super funny. If you haven't seen it, look up Burt Kreischer, The Machine. 
It is a hilarious ass story. Like you will die laughing listening to that story. But anyway, him and a buddy of his, they have a podcast. And apparently they do pretty well. And a lot of people listen to this thing. But they're talking about, you know, trying to be healthier and this, that, and the other. And he's he's got a canister. It looks like a 32-ounce uh, thermos, I guess you'll call it, that he has stuff in every day. And his buddies looking at him. He tells him what he drinks. He's like, oh, I just have Kool-Aid in it. And he's kind of laughing at him. But then he pours some out to show that it is actually Kool-Aid. <laughs> so he's laughing even more. Like, you weren't joking. You actually have Kool-Aid. And I was thinking, like, okay, so he has Kool-Aid in there. Like, if he drinks two of those a day, that's still, like, 64 ounces of fluid, which is majority water. Right? Right? That's better than what most people are doing. And it's still going to be better than being a soda or something. Or I guess it'd be, like, four or five sodas. But still. Right? Like, what? what's the funny? Like, what's the insulting part? I, I and, think a lot of people, I guess, like, Kool-Aid is age-gated. Maybe, you know, age, I don't know, 14 or 15, you're going to stop drinking Kool-Aid, I guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. And see, and I drink because I do so much streaming. I buy those little, uh, like, Mio water flavor squirter things. So you just put some in there. You put some water in your your thermos or your whatever. And then you just, you know, you have flavored water. And that's good for me because I drink so much liquid. I'm not drinking sodas and stuff. But I, I also still drink Kool-Aid. You know? Well, see, I was going to bring that up because Kool-Aid actually makes a brand of those. And I bought some before. And they don't have an insane amount of sugar or anything. It doesn't taste like. So, I mean, he could just as well be using those for all I know because they're super fast. So, I like, it was just a weird thing to watch people be insulting to him. And I, and I saw a couple of different people sharing it on Twitter because, you know, he's got a popular podcast. So, multiple people were talking about it. But I was just like, this is a weird thing to be upset. Like, you know, even if it was sugary Kool-Aid, he's cut down all that other sugar from, like, drinking sodas or whatever. To just drink that every day. That's still got to be better. Now, admittedly, it's not just like plain water or whatever, which would be the best thing. But, like, it's still a step up. I mean, got to give credit where it's due. But, you know, hey, they're comedians. You're crazy. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're comedians. He's doing a podcast. Like, people were having fun with it. It's like, whatever. It's probably good press for him anyway, regardless. But I thought it was kind of interesting. Like, people were bothered by somebody like drinking Kool-Aid. And I remember like, on Good Times, you know how they would they they would use it like it was champagne or JJ would. Mm-hmm. Break out the Kool Aid, and maybe it's a cultural thing, right? Because like it could be, or it's just uh, it's funny to to people who don't drink Kool Aid regularly. I don't know. Yeah, now and because now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I saw anybody who started one of those threads or even was an early commenter on them that was predominantly black, from what I could tell. So like maybe that's part of it too. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Definitely part of it too. Is that you know they, they you white, you drink Kool Aid. What? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I like, and the best part is because his buddy asked him what flavor it was, and he said red, and I was like, "Yep." Well, exactly. <laughs> that is the correct response. <laughs> that red was just, or purple. Yeah. But I was like, dude, you know he's got black friends because they asked him what flavor it was. He just said red, and he didn't even hesitate. And I'm like, right? yeah, he knows. He's been drinking Kool-Aid his whole life. <laughs> this is not new. This is old school for him. Red been a flavor. <laughs> yep. And I don't, I'm telling you, just just ask people. Like, we, And I, I, for real, there are times I'm just like, I don't know. It's some flavor of red. 
Like, and yes, they do taste different, but sometimes you can't tell. And sometimes you mix packaged. Because I've taken yep. different flavors and just put them in there and put sugar in when I was doing it. And I'm like, whatever. Whatever you got is what you got. And they don't just have, you know, cherry, strawberry. They have, you know, crazy, like, I, mean, I remember when I was a kid, my favorite flavor was mountain berry punch. What is a mountain berry? I have no idea. They didn't pick any actual berries. It's purple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's purple. No actual berries were used in the making of this Kool-Aid. Oh, man. But yeah, so now that I've told you about Kool-Aid, go seriously check out Burt Kreischer's The Machine. That is what it's called. You can find it. It's on YouTube, I'm pretty sure. It's freaking hilarious. Like, if you if you haven't watched it, Brian, as a comedian, I highly recommend it. That will be the best, thing, the best thing you've watched. Matter of fact, when we're done recording, I will sit with you live while you watch it. Because <laughs> it is that good. Like, okay. I think your reaction is going to be great to that. All right. But that being said, you know, we're always trying to educate ourselves, trying to be better. So, what did you learn last week, Brian? You know, uh, the Clippers apparently are still going to be the Clippers. They, Talking about the Los uh, Angeles Clippers of the yeah. National Basketball Association. They uh, apparently threw a couple of games because, you know, understandably, they felt like they didn't want to play the Lakers. You know, LeBron is LeBron. But now, do we do we know down. for sure that they they tanked a couple of games? Like, did they? Set I mean, nobody's ever going to admit that. But you know, okay, was, I'm just saying. I'm just trying to find out because I don't know if maybe I missed a story. <laughs> they, they, they ain't gonna ever acknowledge that's what they did. But I mean, a bunch of their best players didn't play in the last couple of games just for you know because like, you who knows if anybody's injured. You don't know. You got to prove to take their word for it. I got you. I got you. So, yeah, they had a couple of guys not play. And lo and behold, the Mavericks are putting it on. They're down 2-0 because Luka Doncic is, I ain't going to say, well, I mean, yeah, these are some LeBron-like performances. It just He's doing what he wants to do right now, and nobody wearing Clipper uniform is able to stop him. I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to tell that, like, and I've been saying this for a couple of years now, but, like, you have probably, if you follow any type of pro basketball, hell, even if you don't follow NBA, if you follow European basketball, like, you have probably heard Luca's name. Right. The dude is good. Like, don't sleep. I get it. He plays in Dallas, so you probably don't watch him that often or whatever. But if this dude is considered one of the top three players in the league over the next two, three years, don't be surprised. Yeah, they're going to fix that. You're going to see more Mavericks games in the upcoming years if you keep playing like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, that's what happened when they had Nowitzki. Same thing. right? You know, like, they were like, oh, this guy is pretty good, whatever. And as soon as people went, oh, yeah, he's actually that good. All of a sudden, you start getting more primetime Maverick games. Then, you know, they beat the Heat in the finals. And people are like, oh, okay, seriously. <laughs> this is that yep. guy is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, dude's, dude's a Hall of Famer, for real, no doubt. I don't know, man. Them Texas teams keep finding them good European players. That's all I know. Right. Yeah, so the interesting thing I learned last week, and this came from uh, Cedric Phillips and Patrick Sullivan have a podcast. I'm trying to remember what they call it. Uh, but they just, oh, the, the Unsleeved, I think is what they call it. That's a great name. And they just kind of, they've been recanning stuff through the history of magic and they're doing like different sets and whatever just kind of talking about each set because you know there's a ton of sets it's a ton of content for them but one of the things that apparently came up was they talked about money drafting 
And it was surprising how many people didn't know what that was. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's just a thing a lot of the current people have not been introduced to for one reason or another. I'll I'll volunteer. I don't. What is money drafting? So what we used to do is you used to get together and usually it was in teams, but occasionally you would do some, you know, single eight player drafts or whatever. But you would get a team of two to four, depending, usually three on three. And y'all would decide some dollar value and the winner paid the other team's players that much money. And you would sit and you would draft like normal. You would build your team's decks and then you would sit and play your games and, you know, best combined records won. And it's literally like it sounds like you you just, okay, we're going to play a $50 game or whatever. Cool. You get done. Every player on the losing team plays the other team $50. And then you go in and play your next draft or whatever. And it was something that came about from like the early days of the Pro Tour. You used to play it at like people would show up to Grand Prix and would play on the side a lot. You'd see some people money drafting at conventions. I think the lower ver- level version of money drafting is the winning team would get the, the rares and foils out of this stuff. Or they would get like the first picks out of the piles or whatever. So like you'd, but effectively you're playing for something other than just the prize at the end of the event. Like you're raising the stakes to make it higher pressure and i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing i think it's for the people who want to or the people who are playing at that level then you know it becomes like almost sitting at a poker game or something or whatever right like you were testing your skills with something on the line against somebody else that's of equal skill now there were some people who got boat raced because you know they were like oh yeah i heard about this money drafting or whatever and i beat everybody in like i don't know my store in the middle of bfe so I'm going to show up and take all this money from these pros. And I've, I've watched dudes lose like $200, $300 on a weekend. Like thinking oh. them and their two boys were something. And they were 4 on the weekend in drafts. So it's just like that used to happen to some folks. Like you you would think you were somebody and you got put in your place a little bit. Do you see the same thing happen with poker? Yep. Or just, I guess technically anything where you're throwing money in. Like, yeah, I'm the. The, the big fish in my own little pond. Oh, yeah. Some some people think they got it like that, and you, you ain't got it like that. But, yeah, it was interesting. A lot of people, you know, on Twitter, and there's a lot of comments of people just didn't know that was a thing. So I would not be surprised if it's something you see coming back because some people were very, uh, I would say, enamored with the idea is probably the right way to describe it. I think some people, I think the idea of just having a higher stakes thing to do that's not necessarily like a full weekend, big tournament, you know, whatever I think was appealing to people. It sounds and, like a lot. I've never done it, but it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. And you're doing it with friends. Even if you do it low stakes, even if you do like 10 bucks or 20 bucks, right? Like there's still something on the line to make it worth doing. And another fun thing is there was a lot of crazy stories that came out of that. You know, Cedric was even talking about how, you know, he needed to make some rent money. So he'd show up, he borrowed a draft set <laughs> from somebody and then he money drafted all weekend. And then he got the money he needed, you know? Nice. Uh, and then I was told of this story, which I had heard years ago. I totally forgot about it and was reminded about it. But there was a player. And if the story's true, I don't know. I like It might just be urban legend at this point. But apparently, he had just a few bucks to his name, like five bucks or something. He goes out, gets a box of saltines, takes a bet on how many saltines he could eat. 
I think without like drinking water or something or whatever. Use that money to go put money up and get a draft set and then won a ton of money that weekend playing money drafts. Tell me that's, that's not like some <laughs> that's some kind of like I can see that being a Seth Rogen movie or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't even be mad at that. Like that's creative as hell. Like, what can I do that I know I could sucker some people in on for a couple bucks? Because there are like, people who don't even have those part of their taste buds, like where something is salty or something is sour or what have you. Oh, just the dryness. I don't know if I could do more than probably. The dryness, too, it would also be a pain. You know? Yeah, I could do maybe five or six saltines just straight up. And then after that, I, that's it for me. I got to have Plus, who, who verifies that they're saltines? You could probably easily fake the rapper because nobody has ever seen this hustle before. So. There's all <laughs> kinds of ways to game that. Probably, probably. But yeah, I, like I said, I would not be surprised if you see more people kind of adopt the concept of money drafting as we move post COVID, you know, we get back to doing big events next year. So now, that you describe it, that's probably gone on while I was in the shop and I just didn't pay any attention to it. But it... It's possible. Yeah. There was a few shops where, and we did it a couple of times at mine, not often, but we did every once in a while. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if some shops had that go on, but all right, let's get into some other very interesting news. Now, the amusing thing is just last week we were talking about how they had removed some different tags over on Twitch and, you know, for different races and whatever, and they hadn't brought them back and people have been asking for them. Well, I'll be damned if they didn't bring them back. 350 plus new tags. That's a lot of tags. Are, are they all new or are a lot of these returning? Uh, there's a handful that are returning. Okay. But, I mean, when you got 350, most of them are new. Yeah, and why there are so many, I have no idea. I it this feels like an overcorrection to a point. I'm just like, okay, we need to make it easier for people to find themselves in all these different ways or whatever. And it's like, let's, you know, it's almost I'd like rather they, they have more than they need and then just kind of work down and see which ones don't get used than to not have enough. Oh sure, I I honestly I think no matter what, you're going to end up with a bunch that eventually just go away. Like, because I can't imagine you're going to get enough activity. Because I like, does it look worse if you have, I don't know, fifty people a month that use like one of the tags? You know what I mean? I don't. I don't think that hurts anything. You know, because if you're trying to, I mean, if if you're assuming that hey, everybody's tag is just as important, you and I know that that's not that bad. But when you have to deal with corporate suits. And people are looking at categories and how to market things or whatever. I'm sure it's going to come up. Like, for example, one of the ones I'm seeing, this was was a struggle that I had. I had somebody, you know, that was gay that was in my stream almost every day. So I wanted to use the LGBTQ tag, but they, you know, it, it was not their stream. It was my stream. So I had to ask people like, is this cool or would you rather like they say no we we would think you know that we think that means the main streamer that is that is on camera would be gay it's like okay so yeah i won't use it then yeah no, there's a separate an ally one. tag which was because which solved that, that problem that i had 
Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Ally actually has a tag as well. So there now there's a lot of stuff that's already just like basic stuff there that they had before. So it's you know, there's like action for like different game types, but it's like, oh okay, well you have ADD. That's one. So maybe you can find another yeah. creator with ADD. They have stuff by pretty much every country, I think, is represented, it feels like. Um or at least everywhere where they probably have quality internet, I think, is listed. Because, I mean, if we're trying to, you know, get people to personalize their stream, and that's supposedly what we're, I mean, that's what we want. You want to show that, okay, your stream and your community is not like anybody else's community. So I'm all for as many tags, really, as I feel like their system can support. Yeah, it's also interesting, too, because you had some people already complaining about, well, if they're going to give us 350 tags, well, I need to be able to tag my stream with more than eight things. I'm like, do you, though? <laughs> like, Yeah, because I can see more, more than eight, you almost feel like they're kind of getting lost in the shuffle. Yeah, like you're almost like I like if you have more than eight things that are like that important, you got to focus a little bit. Yeah. Because I mean, I don't when know you what introduce I would somebody, you know, you're not going to like let, like let, let's say, you know, your podcast or talk show, you're not going to introduce somebody like, hey, this is one of the most popular uh, black female gay. You've already thrown once you throw that third thing out there in the list, people are in diminishing returns each time you add another tag. You know? Yeah, because I don't even know. Like, is wait, is like, well, because they do have some for religions, so that's in there, I guess. Uh, is there something random? See, I, I know so many people that don't even want to talk about religion in their streams. I mean, I, if you want to, it's totally cool. Yeah, and this one I'm trying to figure out, like, what would I even put for eight things? I'm, like, literally scrolling the list right now while we're talking, trying to be like, what would I put for eight? I mean, obviously, I could put, like, black. Uh, do we have one for southern? I don't know. Southern, one of them? I don't think it is. Like, that would be hilarious, though, but I don't think it is. It absolutely would. Uh, no, they do um... have South Georgia. South Georgia. Oh, okay. So then I guess they're probably. No, I think that's actually for the country, Georgia, though. I don't think that's South Georgia as in in Atlanta. Um, But do they have, I guess, for example, like nationalities? Do they have like Irish, African? They do have that. Okay. So. So maybe. So I could see getting eight under those circumstances. But as you said, yeah, I think you need to get a hit a point where it's kind of. But yeah, I I don't know. I think if, if you get, you know, if you get one or two people that say, hey, I came in because you said, you know, you had you got the kiss me, I'm Iris tag. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe realistically, most streams probably max at three, like you're saying, possibly four. And then if you're doing a particular activity, you might add that. Like if you're doing, I don't know, an adventure gamers, game. You know, yeah, or, or you're doing an unboxing or whatever, because that's a category. Like maybe something like that would be the best thing. But I don't know what I would even put for eight. Now you got hot tubs, you know. Well, that's true. Yeah, you can. It's pools, hot tubs, and beaches as a category. Which I, I man, I have a whole other. I, that should for real be my soapbox next time. <laughs> like I got a, got a whole rant for that. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Just going like, what would you put for eight things? I don't really even know. And it, I mean. I almost feel like you have to just be trying to put tags in to get to eight, right? Like you're just trying to maximize. I don't know. Cause you know, if you have three or four that describe the game, which is absolutely possible. Sure. 
But then, just, like, you know, how, how do you how do you describe Rocket League sports? Technically, yes. Racing, technically, yes, because it's soccer with cars. Or like you know, football. There's, there's three. Yeah, see, you know? I just put Rocket League under sports. I think it's accepted that Rocket League is a sports game. Some people would argue that, though, because it's not like, you know, some people feel that sports should be a tag where it's, okay, these are sports that actually exist. I would love if you could play car soccer in real life, but I don't think they figured that out. I'm just saying, I I would put money that if you, the way it's classified, if you tried to put racing and people showed up and it wasn't like, I don't know, motorbikes or NASCAR or something, they're not going to, they're going to probably click off your stream. But even then, I, I give you like the three categories. I would say, say you have three for a game. You get one for gender slash sexuality, depending on what yeah, you want. We said per, a person having three tags makes perfect sense. I'm sure you will give you religion, I guess. Location, that's six. See, I can see getting the eight pretty easily. But my question is, how many of these like apply all the time? You know what I mean? Like. Sure, we're saying if you if you want to get specific on the game, but that's six already. I don't even know what you put in the rest. Because I mean, there there are so it used to be like especially back when technology limited us to you know well let's say Atari twenty six hundred okay yeah this game was sports this well, game yeah. was shooting <laughs> that was all it is the, the games we have now for like for example we talked about Grand Theft Auto last week. Grand Theft Auto could be, you know, RPG. Now you have, you know, the whole genre of people role playing inside the game. So you got to have that tag on there. Because if I, if somebody comes in and they want to see you just, you know, playing the game, committing crimes and shooting, you know, people, that's totally different than Grand Theft Auto role play. Also true. So you got to specify. Also true. But I don't know how you would separate that. I mean, I, is there a tag for, you know, role-playing? I mean, there, there needs to be if one there is one. Well, no. There, there is a role-playing tag. There might and that, that may be, like, specifically for, like, Final Fantasy or something. I know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Maybe there's role-playing and RPG, and they classify those different, possibly. And that's uh, the thing the gamers created. When, when video games first came, when they released Grand Theft Auto, nobody would have envisioned people going in there and doing role-playing as NPCs. So yeah. gamers created a whole thing that didn't exist. Rockstar games never meant for that or envisioned that to exist. But of course, now they embrace it because it's one of the most popular things in the genre. Fair, fair. So I can see getting eight tags. But even then, arguing that you need to have more than eight, like, come on. More than eight is probably a stretch, but. Yeah, I can't imagine that's more than, like, the rare occurrence. But, I mean, I, you know, credit to Twitch. I said, cool, you want tags? Here's some tags. <laughs> we did it. We, we, we have it. we got power at Twitch now. You know, I need, I need that old exhibit meme. We we heard you like tags, so we put tags for the tag. Right, <laughs> you tag while you tag. Uh, but no, okay. Now here's the other effed up part, which we all kind of saw coming already. But we already have people getting hate rated, and <sighs> right now the early assumption is people have, I guess, at any given point, selected a tag or a group of tags, and they have gone looking for streamers in those categories. So, I mean, you knew there was going to be nefarious folks doing nefarious things. Yeah, like bad guys are going to be would bad use, guys. If they would use this technological skill for good instead of evil, the things they could probably accomplish. 
Oh yeah, and people are bringing in like their their hate ratings, so they're bringing in bots and stuff to try to get people's channel shut down. Because you know, if you have bots coming in to raise your numbers, Twitch dings you for it or whatever. Right. So people have started. There's already been threads and stuff going around where people are trying to set up their streams to automatically block certain words. Also, you know, any information of yours in case somebody's trying to dox you to the audience or whatever. So like it's it's you know, bad actors are going to do their thing, man. It sucks. And it, and it's like on day 3 already of just the tags being up and you're already starting to see yeah. these things. So you knew it was going to be a thing. And and again, this comes back to what we talked about before with Twitch, right? It's not like I give Twitch credit cuz like their actual user interface and everything and their phone app wherever great. But as far as just like the actual quality of life stuff, they suck at that part. And it's like if they got that right, they'd be killing it. And I think it comes down to incentive. They were able to become the 800 pound gorilla in the video game streaming genre without having any of those things. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's also before the other two competitors decided they're going to start spending literally hundreds of millions of dollars to keep keep up with you. Yeah, that's what's now they're going to get pushed, and I think that's where you see innovation. Well, hope so. Hope so. I will. I guess I'll give credit to Twitch too, because I mean, for as much as we bash on Twitch, you know, we say it on the show. If we're gonna bash somebody, we got to give credit when they get something right. With their uh, announcement of their tags, you know, they did announce like, yes, we know the hot tub meta is a thing, so there is going to be hot tubs, pools, and beaches as a tag. But along with that, they did make a statement saying that they are not going to ban anyone for their perceived attractiveness. Thank God, because I have been losing so much sleep about that, Daquan. It's well, dude, it's hard being beautiful. You know? You're trying to get that COVID body right, you know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but you know, in all in all seriousness, so I there were you know because man, I don't want to use the the simple term the internet uses, but uh, we have our, our idiot dudes that were basically going, oh. She's she's wearing a bikini in a hot tub. Obviously, she's trying to use her boobs to get me to give her money. I'm going to report this to Twitch. And then somebody from Twitch has to go and look at it and be like, she's in a hot tub. Like, what do you want her to wear? <laughs> no, no, Handmaid's Tale. Got to go full Handmaid's yeah, Tale. Exactly. Hot with the, with the, little, the little bonnet and everything? Yeah. Like, no, but seriously, so they, they just said, look, we're not going to be making judgments on somebody's attractiveness or whatever. And that is what it is. Like people are going to dress appropriately. So if they tag themselves as such and they're doing something shooting at the beach, cause you know, summer's coming up or they're in a pool or in a hot tub or whatever, like they're not going to ding people for that. Unless you're obviously like now I'm sure if you had like the the bikinis that's just like the smallest of triangles over the nips. Yeah. They might get the you for that. The fifth element. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fifth element action, right? They might get you for something like that. But I mean, if it's a traditional bikini or bathing suit or whatever, then they basically said they're not going to do anything. Same thing with dudes. I mean, if everything's covered and you're wearing swim trunks or whatever, like whatever, they're not going to ding you for that. And rightfully so, they shouldn't. And if you're tagged as such and people know you're going to be in a hot tub or swimming pool, or whatever, then they can just go somewhere else. Right. There's not really a reason to be even bothered by that. And I get it. I know exactly why. It's those dudes that are like, well, I gave her some money and then I didn't get my attention or whatever. So like F this B, I'm going to go reporter and get her shut down. You know, it's those people. 
Yeah. Like, but anyway, credit to Twitch. They're standing the ground. They're protecting the creators on this one. And good on them. Yeah. I can be sexy on Twitch now. I'm super happy. Yeah, you can be sexy and know you can do it safely without fear of being shut down. All right, so we have a Kickstarter thing we want to talk about today. Some of you may have already seen it because they have gotten quite a bit of money already in their first uh, week, I believe it's been about, that they've been up. Uh, they have 24 days to go, and they are already over $200,000 when they had an initial goal of fifty. So congrats to them. But the game is called Into the Motherlands, and they are classifying it as an Afrofuturist tabletop role-playing game. And this is really cool. If you are looking for something that supports, I guess we'll just say black culture in a way, you know, the black visual, the black experience, you know, it's basically a Africanized space opera is the best way I can describe it. You know, they have the backstory of people going and in, out into space and finding the new world and all this stuff. And, you know, setting up colonies, and it's kind of neat. You know, this is the type of thing, and I don't know if it'll ever become that, but this is the type of thing that probably would be a pretty sweet TV show. I was I was thinking, like, I'm getting Black Panther vibes from this. If you if you left out our Black Panther and said, man, I, I want more of this, and who didn't? This yeah. gives me that kind of vibe. I could see that. I could see where you're coming from with that. It's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I could buy that. But yeah, they have some really cool artists. They've got a few people from throughout the industry that people may recognize that are into it. Uh, their base level, if you want to get the digital game, I believe is $25. And then if you want the actual hardcover book, it's $50. And then, of course, they have other levels that come with you know, extra things. I think you can get some that have, uh, like the bundles have some dice and like an atlas and some other cool stuff about the world and stuff like that. So... Lots of neat stuff there. Lots of neat stuff. And it's just a really cool project. You know, it's neat to see, again, that where the industry, I don't even just say the industry, industries, when you're talking about entertainment. For the longest time, it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, there's, you know, black actors, black leads, black stories don't necessarily sell as well, or people aren't as interested, or you can't have more than this many black characters or whatever, you know? Yeah. And... We're now seeing or multiple. black is one category. It encompasses everything with black people in it. Medea, Black yeah, Panther, yeah. a Slave are all the same movie as far as some people are concerned. Black. Fair. <laughs> These are black films. And with those three movies couldn't be any more different. But I think when you see these types of projects coming up over and over here lately, and you know, they're led by black creators, they're using black artists. They're using black performers. They're using, you know, black influence music, you know, and they're being hugely rewarded. You know, they're hitting huge numbers. People are ordering these things in droves. People are asking, how do we get more? How do, you know, when is this going to be available? Blah, 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 blah. Like that tells you that this is a thing. And honestly, some maybe some of it comes back to Black Panther where people were really just stunned and went, oh, at the time, it was like the second highest grossing like Marvel movie. Yep. 
And people went, oh, like this is this is a thing. Like people will pay multiple times to come to people will buy merchandise. Like little kids were walking around being Black Panther for Halloween. Like this is okay, this is for real. And this is just cool to see. You know, when you see people, especially in the game industry, where we have very little representation. I mean, I've had the I've had conversations with people in the industry behind the scenes where we've talked about even how people build covers for their games because there's covers even when there's drawn characters that they don't necessarily have even any melaninized people and if there's nobody in the room you know of color when that decision is being made it's easy to just oh we we weren't trying to be racist we just didn't think of it <laughs> yeah exactly and that's and that's what a lot of it is right so it's cool to say like hey maybe we should be doing these things because people are responding to them I mean, like I said, this is a thing that's been up a little less than a week, I believe, and they're already over $200,000 with basically a month to go, 24 days. This could be another one that gets close to that, like, 700000 800000 mark when it's all finished. That's epic. Yeah, that's awesome. This will end, this could end up being a thing that gets multiple books, becomes an RPG that, you know, regular game stores are carrying all over the place. So this is this is really cool. And they've gone through the effort of making like new character classes that people aren't used to playing. So you get a whole new flavor and feel. So that's kind of awesome. And like I said, the people they brought on to work on it. I mean, I've actually done a panel with uh, Pleasantly Twisted, you know, Vanessa. And she's a very active streamer, being both a woman and a black woman, you know, at that. Like, and she's always doing charity work. You know, she's super active in a lot of ways in gaming. So. Yeah, when you told me about it and I pulled up the list, I saw multiple people who, you know, I've watched like Tanya for a cipher of tear. I've seen seen her stream on multiple occasions. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's there's a lot of people here. So good on them, man. They they got the right pile of people together and they're doing it. And I'm I'm for it, man. I think this is really, really cool. So if you haven't checked that out, it is called Into the Motherlands. You can find it on Kickstarter. I just searched on Kickstarter, so it just pops right up. So totally can go find that. But yeah, they're putting on their thing. They were funded in 90 minutes. They hit wow. $50,000. And it's just been up and up and up since. So good on them, man. Good on them. And it looks really high quality. Like the artwork's good. The layout of things are good. Like they, they have obviously got a good team working on this. So yeah. Check it out if you haven't. Could totally be worth your time. Now we have a really fun thing to talk about because we mentioned, I guess about a month ago, that we were going to be the host for this year's Magic the Gathering Content Creator Awards. And so people know this isn't like the Oscars, right? There's not this whole grand process and, you know, everybody's got to submit things and, you know, you get this collection of of gold statues or whatever something like that so i can stop buying all these gift book baskets for people yeah pretty much but if you can keep the pie it's in the pie to me i'll still eat the pie okay but it's really just kind of a fun recognition among your peers it's some fun things to talk about get some eyes on some people who maybe people don't know about or whatever but this past week actually not even this week just yesterday we got to put up the final nominees list. So to remind everybody how it works is it was kind of like open submissions. Everybody could submit 
someone for a category. And there were 14 categories, I believe. And then at the end of all that, the people that got the most uh, submissions get narrowed down to the final nominees. And then these will be the ones that everybody votes on that get to win each of the categories. And I'll have to talk to MTG Strategist, but I think he said Thursday or Friday he was going to try to have the ballots live and then leave them open for a couple of weeks. But we put that video up and announced it, and everybody seemed pretty positive about it. There were people who weren't expecting to be on the list that shared a lot of stuff, and they were super happy. We had a lot of fans who were cool, happy to see certain people they knew get recognized. There were a couple of people who were sending us sending me messages about like, well, why didn't I think it was like CGB wasn't on there and hello, good games. I'm like, I don't know, man, the fans submitted stuff. If their fans didn't submit, then I don't know what to tell you. Maybe they didn't campaign for themselves. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, Cause I think both of them put out a ton of content, right? It's not like, hey, but here's the thing too. Let's be real. It's not like there's prize money within the rainbow or anything exactly. like that. This is just fun to do. So like, they don't necessarily need the recognition, you know, especially CGB. He just crossed like a hundred and I don't know, 110, 115,000 subscribers or something. He is doing well. He's not going to be hurt if he doesn't show up on this list. So it's been an interesting process, right? Because some people are like, Oh, I wish they would advertise it better or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but there's not like a super big budget. That's not what this is. You know, this is kind of a fun community thing. And you know, the process on the backside is getting all the different content creators involved to make sure there's not uh, just some foul people being put to the list or whatever. But all that being said, what do you think about the final list of nominees? I mean, it's an incredible list. I'm glad, you know, I didn't, because, uh, <laughs> you know, I mentioned before I started doing the podcast, I purposely kind of avoided other people's content because I didn't want to make myself nervous. And I'm glad I did that because I wouldn't have been able to, I would have been able to do this if I had watched and read all this stuff beforehand and be like, I, I can't do this. They're too good. And I, and I don't know enough to know how to do this. So glad yeah, I waited until well in to start looking at other people's content. Cause it is incredible for me. I think it was just seeing how good every category was like the final nominees for each were all fire. Like right. there wasn't one that I went like, How'd this bum get enough people to, <laughs> to vote for them, right? Because you know, there's always, you know, there's always that, like, you're watching the Oscars and there's that movie that you ask everybody, you know, and ain't nobody seen the movie, you know what I mean? Right. Like, but there, I didn't feel like... Sometimes that movie wins the Oscar. I mean, yeah. Or like true. this year, everybody was expecting Chad Bozeman to win and then he didn't and it was like, what, what just happened? I think the year that got me was when The Pianist, I think it was one. And I was like, what, is, what even is this movie? And I, I literally didn't know a single, and I know people who watch like artsy independent stuff and not a single person I knew had seen that movie. They all, a bunch of them watched it after the Oscars, yeah. <laughs> but they didn't see it beforehand. But no, it was cool. Like I said, we went down the list and literally every category, I was like, oh yeah, I know that. Per oh yeah, they make good stuff too. Oh yeah, this person has a cool YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. Like every mm -hmm. single person, I was like, oh yeah, that podcast is really good. You know, like We've had a fair amount of them on the show, so it confirmed yeah. we have good taste. Yeah, that's true, too. So it's been an interesting process, like, to see who people are going to vote for at the end. I don't know. And and I wonder if that's also because of the pandemic last year, right? I wonder if 
we got better content because people had more time, you know, both to create more and to put more time into what they were doing. Because it's not, you know, in a normal time, we'd be going to tournaments or we'd have some amount of road travel or plane commute or something to wherever we're going. You know, like there's time eaten up in small chunks all over the place. But we didn't have that. We weren't going out to eat. We weren't going to ball games with our families, you know. And that leads to more content and probably higher quality content. So it... And that's just speculating. I don't know. Maybe next year content's just as good. I don't know. But I feel like we saw so much during the pandemic and so much of it was really good. At least that's what it felt like. So looks like it's at least bears out in the people we saw on the final list. Because, man, it is some good, good stuff. So... All those nominees, uh, we have that video up. It's over on my YouTube channel. I'll probably see if I can post a link in the show notes. But yeah, uh, hopefully, if you follow us over on Twitter, at just color of MTG, we should have the link once it's available for everybody to be able to vote. Because uh, I was in three categories. I believe the show got nominated for one, and Brian also got nominated for one. So that may be the hey, how'd that guy get there? That's probably no, I don't think so. Like you, you at least are bringing experience to the table. like there's something to be said for that but yeah we'll we'll have those up so y'all can come and help your boys out and get some votes in now one thing i do want to talk about that we're seeing a lot of conversation on this week because uh, modern horizons 2 is coming is the number of different versions of cards and things we're getting in magic but the more I thought about it, like it seems like this tends to be a trend in every industry at some point. That like people don't understand when enough is enough. And you probably go as way back as I do, Brian. We're talking about like, you know, you go back to like 1990, let's call it 94, when you right. started getting that comic boom and you started getting 15 versions of number one foil covers and then. There's the, if you ordered 50 copies, you get the the sketch cover. And if you ordered 100 copies, you get the glow-in-the-dark cover. And then there's a chrome cover that comes one every case. And, and it's like, what are we Caused an industry crash, basically, because it was just too much nonsense. Yeah, and none of the books end up being worth much of anything. Because everybody has some version of number one, right? It's like, yeah, sure, this other one's more rare, but like, eh, whatever. I have the second rarest one, and that's fine. My mom went through that spill where she saw one of those news stories where somebody sold the number one comic for hundreds of thousands. So she just went around and started buying number one of anything. But look, it's number one of ALF. I don't think that one's (laughs) going to make anybody. But that's what happened. Everybody started hoarding them, and none of them were worth anything. But I thought about it. You know, that applied to video games, too. Do you remember there was probably about a five or six year stretch where every time a game came out, it was like, Oh, or instead of paying just $60 or whatever, $50, I guess what the time, like you could pay $80 or $120 and get this one that comes with like a shield or this one that comes with like master chief's helmet or this thing, you know, it was just like, okay. And there was like an excuse to like, and you'll get this piece of DLC with it. You know, like, Horse armor. That was one of the big ones. Was I, I want to say Skyrim or somebody? Yeah. Horse armor. And it just became a running industry joke. Yeah. Just like, what are we doing? Like, at some point, it's just like, just if you're trying to sell me DLC, just add $5 to the game and give me the DLC. You know, like, what are, what are we doing? 
And then I think we're kind of encountering that with magic. It's just like, literally, there were three articles last week or three things that mentioned the different versions of the stuff. And I don't even think that the three articles understood where everything was going to be. Because there's so many versions of stuff. But matter of fact, because you already have in a normal set now where you can get the regular version, the foil version. You can get full art or borderless, whatever they want to call it. Even though borderless is just full art, but it has new art. I don't know why we don't just card it. it I don't know. It should just be full art anyway. But anyway, so you have those two options. And then apparently, I guess they can come foil and non-foil. And then as we added stuff with like the last set, you could also get the Japanese versions in foil or etch foil and non-foil. And then when we did Time Spiral Remastered, you had all that, but then you also had old borders that could be foil and non-foil. And now that we've done Modern Horizons, you can get all that, but then some of the Modern Horizons 1 cards are going to come in old border, but not necessarily be included regularly. But then some of the new cards will also have old border, but not all of them. And then they will become in foil and non-foil, but then some of them are etched foil old border as opposed to the regular foil old border. I'm like, some of these My cards are going to have... to go over just listed these. Yeah, I can't some even of these... imagine trying to track down all of them. But you're going to have stuff that has like seven versions. Like, who cares at that point? We're already at the point now that if you go look up cards... We're already at the point that a lot, there's almost no price difference between some of the like stuff you're getting in collector's boosters and a regular booster. So like if you want a full art one or you want a regular one, some of the stuff's like, oh, this is like $750. This one's like $740. There's basically no difference in the price. Because nobody cares. Like you just I just need one to play with at this point. And the versions are all like people don't even know what version is more rare than the other version. And the illusion of scarcity is what pushes a lot of prices on stuff so if they all look just as rare as the next one nobody cares and a good example of that is when we go back and talk about uh i don't know why i can't remember but the card that lets you took extra turns and then you shuffle it back into your library that came with the uh booster box i think it was like dominary or whatever a couple years ago that was a card that shot up to 40 plus dollars because people were putting it in decks already, and it was like the only way to get it was with the booster box or whatever. But then the minute everybody, like in my, I believe it was Mark Roger that came out. And I remember telling people, don't buy it. It's not as rare as people <laughs> are making it out to be, whatever. But the minute he came out and made a post on Blogatog, like, oh, well, there's more of these than most of the, you know, the rares or the mythics that would normally get printed in a set or whatever. Price came all the way down to 22 bucks. So it was literally just perceived scarcity. It wasn't even about the number. But here you have the opposite. You have a bunch being printed and nobody even knows what they should be chasing or what should be more rare or what should be more valuable. Because now with Time Spiral, everybody knows, you know, that the old border stuff was the harder to get stuff because you only got one if you were lucky per box. Sometimes like one per box, two if you got really lucky. So everybody knows how rare they were. And then if you could get that in foil, then obviously that was more thing, right? So that was easy to have those prices go up. But now with like Modern Horizons 2 or even just a last set with Strixhaven, I'm not even completely sure what the rarities are or what was more or not. I just have cards. And then MH2 is going to be infinitely worse. And I've seen nothing. And I watched, I saw probably eight or nine different threads where people are talking about it. I don't think I saw a single person 
that was like, you know, I kind of like having all these different versions. Because normally there's the at least... Syndrome three. once said, if everyone is special, then no one will be. Hey, sometimes a broken clock's right twice a day. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just kind of a weird thing. Like, at what point does it even matter? Like, you could literally just have collector's boosters and say, this is where you're going to get all your full art cards. This is where you're going to get, you know, foil or non-foil of these. Or maybe they're all foil that are in here. Cool. And then if there's a special insert, like we're doing, say, for like the D&D set, where you get the throwback artwork things, which, by the way, those are sweet. Artwork that looks like the original player's handbook art. Cool stuff. Just say, okay, cool. You'll get at least two of those per box in the collector's booster box. You'll get at least one per box in the regular set and draft booster boxes. That's it. That would be enough for people to go buy boxes. People would chase those cards down and people would open boxes. That's it. You don't have to have 52 versions of something. That's not encouraging us to buy more. The people who want to buy them are already buying and the people that aren't, aren't. That's it. This is end of story. Wash your hands, go on to the next thing. But it's crazy to just see all these different things that like repeat this process over and over and over, just like overdoing it. And at the point, nobody cares after a while. Hell, the problem nobody cared with the DLC stuff is at some point you don't have where to put it all. Like I know people this day that have stuff still sitting in like a garage or a closet because, you know, they've got like a Zelda sword and a Master Chief yeah. helmet. And, you know, you're saying like horse armor and blah, blah. And it's just like, where do they put all that? There's a point where they don't even want it. Unless you're unless you've got an actual alien fortress that you need to go kick the door in of, what are you gonna do with this stuff? Yeah. I think what was a game that came was it did it come with like a blaster or one of the replica guns in the game or something? Like there was all kinds of crazy stuff, right? And this is just a thing. And I think magic is just having their moment now. Like, no reason for it. Just not, and to be honest, it's not good for anybody. Like the consumers don't want it. Anybody who works on a website, I can tell you for me when I was working with Card Kingdom, the guys who were in charge of dealing with that, pardon my language, but they and but I think this is a spot too, they were fucking miserable. <laughs> like they did they hated when a new set came out. Because you had to figure Which out is, Go ahead. I was gonna say that that's the opposite of the reaction you want from somebody working in the industry. He's like, Oh god, not this. Oh, yeah. No, they literally had to figure out, okay, how many versions is this going to be? How rare is each one going to be? Where are they going to come from? When I was trying to help them organize stuff that we were going to be cracking packs and putting up for display, it's like, okay, well, how do we even sort these? And do we even know what's going to come in what box? And how many should we be expecting to get so we can verify the counts? And like, it's all this extra work for no gain, really, at the end of the day. It's just so your inventory is right and people know what they're able to buy. But the problem is right now, nobody even knows what product they need to buy. They're like, oh, well, I kind of want these in the old borders, but I want to get these with the etch foil or not. And it's like, oh, well, one of these might be in this box, but they're random or maybe X per box. And then you can buy the collector's boosters and get these things. But then the set boosters have this still extra set of the list that nobody gives a damn about because most of the cards on the list are garbage. But they're still in there per pack. So if there's something on the list you want, right? It's just like, why? This... and. I, I've seen the process. I've talked to the people who set it up. It's not easy to do at Wizard. Nobody, the person whose job that is, they probably work on that way longer than they need to. You could be paying that employee to do something else other than have to keep checking to make sure the system's set up right so the cards are distributed in the plaques properly or certain things are inserted where they need to be. Like, it's just a weirdly complicated system. Oh, and this is before we even get back to tournaments. 
because then we have those prize packs that for some reason yeah. they wanted to go to doing those instead of doing the the regular just giveaway promos for people. So now you can still get the prize boosters that additionally have a stamped version of the card. Or if you get the the winner booster, or whatever, that comes with a foil version of the stamped card. So that's two more versions that exist. You know, just like, oh my God, what are we doing? Why? Yeah, there's a lot of these things I like or would love to collect. But yeah, when it gets to where I need, when you see where there's nine or 10 different versions of a card, okay, it's not even fun anymore. It becomes a full time job. Yeah. And then it just looks weird. Like, I don't even, like, you're going to reach a point where people will be getting ripped off for cards because they're not even going to know what's an authentic magic card and what's not. And I guarantee you it's already happening. And granted, that's a secondary market thing that's not necessarily a wizard's concern or whatever, but if you do get enough upset consumers or if people waste enough money on it, they're eventually going to not want to buy packs. So yeah, not, not a fan. Not a fan. I think we need to scale back the promos and stuff or whatever, pretty significant. I don't, I I think it's totally fine to have set roosters, draft boosters, collectors boosters. I think we, people will still buy those. I think if you just give the proper incentive and the right number of cards and inserts, I think people would buy them, but I don't think we need more than like four versions of a card ever. We just don't, but who knows? We'll see if wizard comes around. I want to take one trip back over to Kickstarter, actually, because there's another game I think a lot of people haven't heard of yet. This just launched yesterday. I say with a question mark. By the time you listen to this, it'll be two days ago. But it's by a guy, uh, Dave Killingsworth, and he actually lives down by you, Brian, down in Texas. Yep, I know Dave. He, he can confirm he is a righteous dude. Yeah, he's he's frequent in a lot of events. He's played other games with us. He's run stuff again he's done a lot of kickstarters too that's the other thing so he does deliver on kickstarter so that that's another thing i will tell people yeah i believe this is this is probably like his fifth or sixth project i'd have to go back and look he's done quite a few but the cool part about this game is it's like an adventure game comes with like an adventure book rpg style thing but it's a tabletop thing so use some cards and dice and it's all pre-packaged one thing but one of the things that's cool about it and why we're including it here to talk about it on the show is that he did do a bit of consulting with different people. Because one of the things, and he came to me with this, with part of the concept. I want to say this was probably early 2019. So I want to say we were on our way to like one of the spring fairs or something, and I saw a message from him. And we started talking about, you know, the tropes that you see in games, and where is it okay to kind of shift and what's offensive and what's not. And, you know, because he purposely said, I want to have a diverse cast of characters in my game, right? If we're going to do an adventure game and there can be different people, like I want to at least put a few in there and try something different. And we said, okay, then let's not have the black character be the rogue or the fighter, right? Because it's always like the big, burly, you know, angry black dude, or it's the well, he's really athletic and dexterous, right? So it's like, yeah. okay, let's let's not do that and let's try to do something different. You know, and then we and then he talked to a couple of our Asian friends and said, okay, well, should the Asian character be the monk? If not, what else should they be? You know, and it was interesting to see somebody approach conversations from that perspective because I don't think I'd seen very much of that in the industry. So it was very neat to just say, like, okay, he's taking a different approach to this. And I can appreciate that. 
that the characters don't necessarily have to fit a generic stereotype and we can try something new. You know, whether it works or not, whether people respond to it or not, who knows? I mean, it looks like he's about to be funded on this pretty easily. Like I said, they've been up a couple of days. He's got uh, 16,300 already and his goal is 21,000. So going to crush that with 19 days to go. So going to get it launched. Uh, he has a base game, I believe, of $59 and then goes up from there if you want different add-ons, of course. But it's a really cool looking game. It plays like a group-based RPG. You can play up to six people. Uh, it's got some different adventure modes, some things you open up as you go along. The artwork's pretty cool. And like I said, it's just a good dude. You know, I think this is the type of person you want in the industry, kind of making stuff and pushing ideas and trying to be a little bit different. Oh, and then, and this is a fun part, after we went through all this exploration, all these conversations, I thought we were done. And then a little time later, he gets back to me and says, hey, I have a question. I was like, sure, what's up? says, how would you feel about just being in the game? And I was like, huh? And one of the solutions from him and his artists were just like, well, if you just get people that you already know and trust and like, you know, we've given the green light that it's okay to do this with the character or whatever, well, then you're putting that person's actual likeness and you kind of take away the opportunity for the artist to screw it up. Like, I'll just make them look like a person we know, right? The skin tone eye shape, nose shape, whatever, and just like, cool. Then it's an actual black guy in the game. Being this role that a black guy has already agreed to be to. You know, and I'm like, all right, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm like, I'm good with this. Let's normalize this as a way to get more diversity in our games. Yeah, and I was like, literally, cool. Just for that alone, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm in. So I did agree. I told him, like, if you do it, though, especially since you're making a miniature as well, I kind of want one. You know, because <laughs> yeah. you can't tell me you're going to dress me up like a bard and not not hook me up. So, you know, but yeah, it's it's a cool idea. I, I really think it's neat. I hope this is another one of those games that's like, hey, here's a way you can approach it. Here's a way you can do something different. So I'm in, man. I'm in. I'm an easy sell on this one. Even if I wasn't in the game, I like I like I was about to say it'd be awkward, you know, if they put you in the game and you're like, no, tell it all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that'd I like, be awkward. I like the approach that he's taking to it, though. And that's a big deal. And same thing. He's got some writers to come in and write some of the adventures that are in the book. Uh, just it's just a kind of a different cool game. So if you like that type type of like a uh, board gamey based role playing game or adventure game, uh, you'll probably be really into that. But so far, it looks pretty good. And like I said, he's done Kickstarter before, so he's got the whole system kind of laid out. So no doubt that he'll deliver on it. But yeah, I, I'm pretty neat. Pretty neat. Just none of those ones we just want to put on people's radar if you hadn't seen it yet. And then coming back to Modern Horizons 2 for just a quick second, I actually want to do... Just let people know that the prices on Modern Horizons 2 are really starting to go up in some places uh, if they're not already sold out. I know some places have stopped taking pre-orders just because they want to make sure they have enough. They don't want to take pre-orders for stuff that may not be showing up or have people like not buy somewhere else. So they're like, oh, yeah, I'll reserve one with you. And then it doesn't show up and the person doesn't get product at all. So that's definitely a thing that's uh, we're starting to see quite a bit. And some people are complaining because they're like, oh, well, Wizards is doing this on... Amazon and they're pushing back. Well, here's the thing, right? One, 
most of the time when you see that type of stuff, it's not even the company selling it. It's just Amazon selling it, but they list it as being manufactured by whatever company. The other thing is that Amazon, their system's kind of automated. They usually don't want to be the lowest price, but they want to be one of the lowest, like two or three prices. So usually if prices are up or down, it's because the market's moving up and down and their system's just keeping them competitive with wherever the market stands without giving up a ton of margin. So it doesn't surprise me if that's the case. But even outside of Amazon, you're seeing a lot of that even at local stores. You know, I got mine. Fortunately, I went to my local place and was like, hey, I want to get one of each of these. What do I got to pay? Right. And I did that. I don't know. It feels like five or six weeks ago. So I got in way before they started doing previews and stuff, mostly because I looked at Modern Horizons 1. I saw that everybody's like, ah, this isn't going to be worth much. And then over the last year and a half, you saw the price going, making its way back up. I was like, yeah, probably going to be the same thing for MH2. Mostly because my thought was there are things in Modern Horizons 1 that were new to Modern that really didn't get expanded on. So my thought was like, even if nothing else happened, but we took Modern Horizons 2 and expanded on the themes in Modern Horizons 1, it means if you like some of that, you were going to need Modern Horizons 2 and vice versa, right? If you want to build a deck that uses these themes, you're going to need both these sets. So that alone is going to give the set some type of long-term posterity to be good. But then people are going nuts and enjoying all the different cards they're putting up. <laughs> so that's also driving prices up. So it's it's great credit to Wizards. Again, you know, we got to give credit where it's due. They are, they've made a set where people are excited. Doesn't matter if you just want squirrel tokens. If you want crazy sword equipment cards to play with. If you just want combo-y stuff. Or weird, long-ass card names that nobody can pronounce. There's a little bit of everything in Modern Horizons 2, for sure. Now, Brian, are you planning on getting any Modern Horizons 2? I mean, I don't really have any place I go that plays Modern, so I probably won't listen. That's fair. I mean, I'm not playing a ton of Modern these days, but I'm at least getting... I do still play some Commander, so there's a chance I'll be using some of the stuff out of there for Commander stuff at some point. Yeah, and that's a possibility. But yeah, I, I, it's one of those things, man. I Again, I'm not going to try to force people's hand and say, like, this is a set you have to have. But I was just going to say, if you're interested or you're thinking about it, I would go sooner rather than later because I don't see the prices of these coming down too much. And I think most stores are going to sell out of what they're actually going to get. Now, we're going to talk about something that's a little lighter for the dinner table. But I do think it is something that needs to be said. And this comes back to some of our previous conversations about how viewers treat streamers. Or we'll just say content creators, because I guess this could apply as well to possible YouTube videos you may encounter in the next few months. We know that summer's coming, right? If you're not already experiencing summer temperatures wherever you live. It's been summer for a couple of months here. Yeah, it, it warmed up here for like two or three days and it got back down to normal. So we're, ours won't hit for another couple of weeks still probably. But in some places, and I can say, you know, being in the Pacific Northwest, there are no traditional AC, central AC units in most of the homes. There are no ceiling fans in a bunch of the homes. Matter of fact, we're going to be adding some ceiling fans to this house probably throughout the year. And largely, they're not greatly needed, but it's becoming more of a thing as the climate starts to change. 
you know, you've got an affordable. People are starting to add more central AC units and stuff to, to some of these newer homes. But I know a lot of people from places like England that also don't do a lot of ACs over there. So what that leads to is you end up having to have like portable AC units, maybe window units, you know, some fans or whatever to keep yourself cool. Well, because of that, some of these content creators are going to have some noise behind them in the streams a little bit. And usually it's nothing loud, but it's enough to like you might hear a slight bit of wind or a slight buzz or whatever behind them from the machines. Don't be an ass. Like, they're not going to be in the most comfortable situation, but they're making it as comfortable as possible so they can still get on and entertain you. So don't be like, hey, I can hear something behind you. Like, your quality is worse than normal because blah, blah. Like, yes, they know. They probably did what they could. They probably tried to get a sound reducer. They probably reduced the gain on their thing. You know, they're probably downloading software to try to help. But, like, sometimes it just happens. Like, there's nothing they can do about it, right? Just just let it go. Like, the quality might be down for a couple months while, while they get through the heat. They're still human. Yeah, if you enjoy the content, enjoy the content. Yeah, and a lot of them... You know, people have to close their doors or whatever. So, you know, there's no, there's not much circulation. So they need to get as much air moving as they can or whatever to make it comfortable because they're with you for three hours with the door closed, you know, streaming to you. It's stuff like that that I think we have to be considerate of when, when talking or watching other creators, you know, like for You're myself. Be especially to be there for three, four hours. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. For myself, like I said, I have a portable AC unit, but I like normally turn it on earlier. I get everything cooled down and then I'm able to get on for a couple hours. But again, it's because of the way I have the room set up and everything. It allows me to do that. Not everybody has that luxury. I mean, I know you got kids at home. Exactly. And as you said, summer's coming, but they're all going to be around here getting wild. Yeah. So there may be some extra thumping coming from the back of your stream with the kids wrestling or something, right? Like that's going to be a thing. And I think we just have to, like, as much as these creators are putting on shows and, you know, they're putting together fancy overlays and giveaways and doing all this stuff, like, we still have to acknowledge that the creators are still people. They're still living normal lives. I mean, hell, I don't know. You you might see some of your favorite creators get on and just, like, you know, some some tank tops or some half shirts or whatever, try to be keep cool. Like, their presentation might be a little down. Like, just leave it be. We should be used to this now. How long have we seen our favorite newscasters, you know, from their apartment with, with dogs running, dogs and or kids running around in the background? It's, That's true. That's where do, we've been know, for the past year. I got to admit, I do miss a little bit of that from the beginning of the pandemic, like the beginning, but like months three and four where we had like, uh, what's his name? The the late night host where he, he would do, he would read the- uh, Stephen Colbert. No, not Colbert. The, the crap. Um I was going to say Little Nicky, but like I don't know why I remembered that as being his role. Uh, crap. The dude's got the roots on his show. I don't always forget his name. Oh, Jimmy Fallon? Yeah, Jimmy Fallon. Yes, like, the guy in charge of the 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 uh, <laughs> the gold standard of, of talk shows. That yeah, <laughs> but but he had he had his kids on while he was like reading the monologues and stuff and trying to get their reaction to the jokes. And like that was kind of funny. Yeah. You know, you had... Uh, Trevor Noah on and you kind of got to like watch his hair grow and him being like a little unkempt or whatever, you know, rotating his shaving days or whatever. It's like, 
that it's that kind of stuff though not to that level but you know this is going to be happening and we got to got to cut people some slack you know like fortunately like i said i'm in a pretty good situation it probably won't be too bad for me or whatever but i know other people that are going to be struggling with that man i know some people that are already starting to deal with it and they've even said like man i don't know i may have to redo my whole setup or you know, some of them are like, I don't know, maybe I only stream on certain days. Could it be cooler than, you know, I can get on in the morning instead of in the afternoon. But And like, I don't think people understand the conversations that go on behind the scenes for how stressed out and bothered some creators are just because they know they're going to they don't want to deal with the crap of people saying like, oh, well, I can hear your AC behind you, you know, like and having to answer that question 20 times over three hours. It's like, it gets old, man. Like, yes, we know what it is. We know what that sound is. We all know it's fine. It doesn't change the content. Like, you just, you just want to be a jerk. Just don't be. All right, Brian, watch everybody they can find you on social media. I am DL Caesar on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. Usually, though, on YouTube and Facebook Gaming and Twitch if you want to come follow some of the streams. And as always, we got to say, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And please remember to wear your mask, wash your hands, stay away from other humans that are icky with the COVID, while those of us that want to get our vaccines are still trying to get taken care of. And most importantly, remember... Be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate. Other patreon.com slash color of magic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 